0: You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to you, Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Richard Stamen. I am your host. You might know me better as Draft on Twitter. Got a really fun episode for you coming on this one. Going to be talking about Telenet, BC, Ostendes, Mario Nakic, and Amar Sila, two guys who I see as sleepers in the international pool. I just started doing a deep dive. It's a little bit different this episode. Than previous ones because I've mostly stuck with the NCAA players, but this one I'm going to dive into the international pool for the first time uh, on this network, and then I'm also going to stay in the NCAA for one prospect. And you know, normally I would do an entire episode dedicated to the to the team like I did last time, but this one's a little bit tricky given the team uh, the team composition, I should say, for this year with Jalen Johnson being gone. I wanted to just kind of focus on one guy who I see as a pretty obvious sleeper in this one, and that's DJ Stewart of Duke. But first, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Wednesday to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. So as I hinted in the intro, you know, I see two guys as sleepers in the international pool every year. It feels like, you know, there's about three to five guys that get a lot of hype internationally. People talk about them. there's enough YouTube videos and everything on them. But on the other hand, every year, there's also an international guy that everybody, even parts of the draft community, go, who? And just kind of don't know who they are. And I do think that at least one of these guys has that potential. And those two, they are teammates in Europe, in Belgium. They're Amar Sila, He's a big man from Senegal originally. And then also Mario Nakic who I believe is Croatian. Uh, excuse me, he's Serbian, now that I look it up. Uh, so I apologize for that mistake. But he is they're both very young they're both 19 years old and again some both players i see as second rounders so let's start with the Sila. he's listed as 6 9 190 pounds he has very noticeably long arms for the year he played 34 games in the belgian league shot 50 percent with 8.7 points per game and I'm gonna pause real quick just to remind you that 8.7 sounds like absolutely nothing but the international game really doesn't favor a lot of young players. You know, he only started 11 total games for the year. Doesn't play a high volume of minutes. He played 20 minutes a game, so he's a role player. Those guys don't get the same spotlight that NCAA players get, G League players, etc. It's very rare. You know, we saw Luka Doncic get the EuroLeague MVP at such a young age. A lot of guys are, most guys are not that. Like, they do not get the spotlight being a young player on a very good European pro team. So just to clarify, these stats will not jump out at you under any circumstances, and it's not a testament against Marceila or Mario Nakic, but just as a preface in understanding the context. So again, he averaged 8.7 points per game, and that was on 50% shooting. Shot only 14% from three, pretty alarming. Only took one per game, and then shot 65% from the line. Had two of those per game, so that's a little bit more promising. Again, both kind of flags, but I'll get into that. He averaged 5.6 rebounds per game. A little over half an assist per game, half a steal per game, and one block per game. So per 36, I'm sure those numbers look rather nice. It's pretty much double those, uh, give or take, you know, a little bit less. But that's how uh, that's how he statistically stands out. So going to the, again, if this is your first time listening, I do just my scouting reports, and I kind of just read them off and say and elaborate kind of as to why it's not, you know, instead of just reading it on text, kind of visually aid, visually, uh, excuse me, audibly aid and create, you know, just a little more elaboration on some of the the points I make. So his tools, I'm going to start with that. Defense and length are going to be his calling cards. He's incredibly active on defense, loves, you know, just making the play on defense. He lives for it. I think he'd rather do that than make a three. He's just that kind of guy. He goes all in on defense and it shows because that's his role on the team. So going into his pros, he's a mobile defender. Excellent shot blocking. You saw he averages 1.1 blocks per game, and that was in just 20 minutes. So that's pretty impressive. Able to contest shots. Really goes for those home run blocks. He's a great athlete, I would say. Just really fluid and moves with grace, really, for his size. I think there's some ball handling upside, especially in the half court, but he can also bring the ball up the court for, you know, off an inbound. He can change directions kind of easily. I've seen a couple of flashes. Not not a lot, but it's a flash that makes me believe that there is something there. Again, projectable frame, has long arms. He's versatile defensively, so mobile and versatile. They kind of feed hand in hand. He can both guard the perimeter and protect the rim in terms of physical skill set. Kind of get to why that's not the whole story on the defensive end, but he also does have active hands defensively. and. One major offensive point that I have is that he has excellent touch off balance. So by that, I've noticed it, especially in recent games as they're wrapping up their season. He's finishing a tough, a ton of tough pick and rolls, excuse me, where he is off balance, getting pushed, light pushes, not not obviously excessive like a foul or anything. But where he's absorbing contact, he's falling away, he's pretty light, he does need to add strength. And it kind of plays into that, but his touch is outstanding. He always puts the perfect amount of touch on it, gets it off glass, pretty much is able to hit from anywhere on a pick-and-roll, which is really impressive to me, and I think that's a pretty promising tell to his upside. Now for the defensive end, or excuse me, for the cons, where I'll start with the defensive end. He needs to learn to defend without fouling and using his hands less. That's a major concern for him. He does, and, and this is often the case for younger players. You saw this Jaron Jackson Jr., for example where he just could not battle he could not pick and choose his battles on fouling and you know it became a battle for him um he needs to improve his jump shot form the 13 percent was not promising whatsoever he does need to add strength and weight as i said previously that'll really help him on both ends at the rim mostly and i kind of hinted at this you know he loves going for this home run box but he can be a little bit reckless on both ends, especially on the offensive end. I think he tries to go for those posters, you know, flashy plays, but when the simple play is right there next to you, don't be going for the flashy plays. And that really applies to both ends where he can just go on the defensive end and just full-on commit to this block and not see that there's a man waiting to be receive a dump off. So he does need to improve that, which kind of feeds into his defensive awareness issues. And then also his right hand is pretty weak for someone his you know his size i think he should be able to be more comfortable finishing right but he heavily prefers his right hand so there's a lot with that but i think the overall takeaway you can make from those cons right now and the weaknesses is the fact that he's just simply raw he's a 19 year old i you know physical tools are what his calling card is right now i think that you can kind of dismiss some of these weaknesses and and almost just say, hey, you know, that's not going to always be the case. A lot of these are going to go away and turn into strengths as soon as he gets more reps, NBA coaching, etc. One thing I do want to say is I don't think he comes over for quite a bit. I think you're looking at a two-year minimum, where you know 2023 would be when he comes over. So something like that, I, I don't would not put him in a near-term player. But you know, if someone wants to swing for the fences, he's that kind of guy. Um, he he's a nice upside pick with a very low floor. But if you can get him polished, I think far and away his biggest weakness that he could improve on is just overall feel for the game and that defensive awareness because we've already seen what he can do being reckless. I would love to see what he can do being you know proactive and not as much reactive in a lot of cases on the defensive end. For a comparison, there's really not a great one. I, I really struggle. Some guys that jump out, you know, he has the Pascal Siakam mold, but that's a really tough comparison because I, I just don't think – they could, you know, have that same projection. I just think it's a lazy comparison, and they have some overlapping skills and size, but it doesn't make them a comparison. So just kind of that pick-and-roll-minded big with defensive, uh, defensive upside and length. That's that's kind of what his comparison and role would be, and and just to kind of touch more on what his role would be is probably an energy two way big off the bench as a really realistic outcome. On a high end outcome, he can create a little bit for himself, and that shooting comes along, and that really changes that from an energy big to a modern forward. So, and that's a greatly different outcome. His projected draft range is I I see somewhere honestly, fifties you know second round someone who wants to save some money and take an international pick stash them. Anywhere in the second round, that's an absolute crapshoot. I don't really think that there's, you know, a real guess on that. That could be any team at any point. His worst-case scenario, uh, again, first time listening to this, I do worst-case, middle-case, and best-case. His worst-case scenario is he never comes over, and, you know, the field doesn't ever develop. That's far and away, the like, the rawness just doesn't come up, come along, and I think that's far and away the biggest risk factor with him. His median outcome, probably that energy big that I said – you know, maybe a fringe rotation player. I think that's a decent outcome for a second round pick. You know, you're not you're not mad, but you're, you're not happy with it. But it, it's someone who can maybe be serviceable in the right situation. And then his ceiling outcome, I think, I kind of hinted at this, but, you know, the shooting comes along. The defense is a little bit more disciplined. He can create a little bit. For others, probably more likely he's a good passer. Um, didn't really touch on that enough, as I should have before. But he's a good passer who sees the floor well again the flashy play just can kind of take over for the for the wrong like i I think it's a negative for him so that would be a best case scenario though is a lot of his mistakes just get toned down and he becomes a modern forward that just seems like such a high highly likely you know for someone that build if he can get the right team that seems pretty likely for me honestly and i know that's kind of bold given you know the the iq and feel and just overall rawness but if, if everything hits, I don't think that's that bold of a claim to say, you know, it's a really high ceiling. Again, not really sure how likely that is, but something that would be nice to see. So, on the next, uh, on the next portion of this, I'm going to go over his teammate, Mario Nakic. And I, I actually, just spoiler alert, I do see him as a much more realistic outcome guy, less risk to him, and probably more likely to be drafted higher. But first, a quick word from our friends at Locker Room and Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and other Locked On hosts in real time about your favorite team or sport. I host a room for Locked On NBA Draft once a week, so you can join in. That's on usually. I do it to Wednesdays to Thursdays. It kind of just depends on how the week is going and, you know, if anything big comes up. But Locker Room in general is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA, or MLB, or NFL, or NHL, any of the sports, really. You'll have a chance to talk with me, other fans, and, you know, again, locked-on hosts. So be sure to join me this week, again, usually around Wednesday or Thursday, and go down with the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whichever group's that you follow for the latest updates and follow me at Mavs draft to be notified when my room goes live. I know you'll want, you won't want to miss this and I'm planning to be live this week yet again on Wednesday or Thursday. So I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts about the NFL draft and I'll see you there. Locker room changing the way we talk about sports. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. There's a solution for this, luckily. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Also, the RockAuto.com catalog is really easy to navigate so you can easily and quickly see all the parts available for your car or vehicle, and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write "locked on" and that's two words, L-O-C-K-E-D space O-N, and their how did you hear about us section so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So as promised, I want to break down the Telenet BC Ostende um, roster and you know the two prospects they have, with the first one being just done in Amarcila, and then this one with Mario Nakic. He's a 6'6", 185 wing, has some really promising stats. Again, I want to emphasize just it's not going to jump out because it's a European player stats who generally they don't stand out that much. So his stats for the year in 22 games, after he missed a good amount of games with injury, pretty much in the spring, he averaged 8.8 points per game. And that was on 49% shooting 51% from three, but a 65% free throw percentage. And that was to go with 2.7 rebounds per game, a hair under two assists per game, half a steal per game and 0.2 blocks per game with, two turnovers per game. So more turnovers than assists, but the 51% from three is just absurd. And that was on over one and a half per game. Didn't take a ton of threes, but you really like to see that, that percentage go down like that, that uh, the shots go down at that percentage, excuse me. So I really like that. That's probably the biggest selling point for him. You know, we saw Aaron Neesmith go lottery last year with 52% shooting on pretty similar volume overall. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot of hope for Mario Nekic. I don't think he's going to go lottery by any means. I think he's still second round pick, but the thing for him is, you know, he's got some attractive tools as a six, six wing. He's from Croatia. He can slash, he can shoot. Uh, and sorry, I said that kind of weird, but I wanted to emphasize, you know, going through these scouting reports, that was the next thing on here is that he is from Croatia. Uh, doesn't make him any better or worse as a, as a prospect, but He's a crafty finisher with a variety of moves. I think that really helps him get going and almost unlocks that high shooting upside. And he can also create a hit for himself in bursts. You know, I've seen him do some sidestep threes. He can navigate screens really well behind the three-point line. So that's a really good selling point for him. It's just that shooting is outstanding. However, with the shooting numbers being nice, he does... Kind of overreact to defenses attacking him. You know he can put far too much arc on it. Like he already has a high arcing shot, but when he sees defenses closing out, he'll chuck it, and the ball will go off the screen. I mean, it's a it's a good 30 feet in the air, and it's a rainbow. So that can be a bad thing that he probably needs to control. But the touch is very obviously there if he's shooting 51% on that many attempts. So he also needs to add strength and really focus more on defense. He's pretty much a traffic cone right now in Europe on defense. And he also needs to just play under more control on both ends. I think, you know, he can overcommit on defense. He can, again, overreact to tight closeouts. But I I overall really like his feel in, for the game and just overall him as a prospect. He's got some nice slashing moves, post moves, kind of go into that where he can take you off the dribble, back you down a little bit. And I like his touch at the rim. So potential shooting and slashing, potentially even post play against mismatch. Like if he gets a small guard on him, you got a 6-2 guy, you can abuse him. Um I don't expect Nakich to come over either. Also 19, same thing as Sila. I, I just don't really see a way he comes over this year, but I don't think he's also like a two years away guy like Sila is. I think he's more give him one year off and then he'll come over here. For a player he's most similar to for me, I put Carlos Delfino, uh, the Bucks specialist, uh, Bucks Rockets, a few other teams. He, If you remember, Carlos Delfino is, I think, like a high 30s percentage, three-point percentage shooter. And he also had a few assists per game, was a pretty good passer. And something I actually forgot to touch on is, you know, and I didn't elaborate on the self-creation, but... I do think he was able to play make for others as well in that, you know, using the dribble moves, finding in the open teammate, making good extra passes, recognizing it quick. So seeing that three assists per game on 38% from three, that combination could be really nice, you know, 10 to 12 points per game. So a really solid role player. I see his projected draft range pretty much, honestly, early second. I would say 30 to 40. That's about where I have him on my board anyways. Right now, currently in sits at 32 for me. So it's pretty, you know, I'm not going to be mad either way with whatever direction he goes on this. Um, His worst case scenario is when he comes over uh, to the NBA is that he doesn't shoot it nearly as well and that the high arcing shot that he overcompensates to closeouts and things like that really plague him. I think that's going to be the only way he's unplayable in the NBA, being, you know, such a shooting-focused league his median outcome is being that Carlos Delfino, and I think that's the most realistic outcome. I don't think this high ceiling, what I'm about to say, this three-level scoring guy with you know 40% from three is all that realistic. It is a possibility, but again, not all that realistic where I'm going to bank on it and go, yeah, you need to start investing in this guy because of that. I just genuinely think if you got Carlos Delfino in this draft – he's probably a top 25 player in the draft and it's not anything flashy and you're not going, Oh yeah, we missed on this guy. How are we, how did we do that? But on the other hand, if you're a team that does need shooting, you look at like a team like Orlando, right? A team that they have the guards and the creators. They just need someone to dish it out to. I think you could really see them as a, honestly, they pick 33rd. They could easily take him and stash him for one year, save some money. And I think something like that has a lot of value in this league, again, especially just with a league that loves shooting. So I would take him in the second round and not look back, and I think that's probably the most realistic outcome. He's a sleeper who's hiding in plain sight. You know, just the league loves shooters, and shooters get attention in the draft. So that's a guy who, if you're wanting to find an international sleeper, I'd start with him. Speaking of finding hidden gems and betting on those hidden gems, betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, so is NBA and NHL playoffs, and you can track all the action on betonline.ag. You can get all the latest news and odds for those sports at betonline.ag. So before the next game, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And use promo code LOCKEDON. That's L O C K E D O N. No space, this time one word. L O C K E D O N. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Richard Stamen. And for the last player I want to do a scouting report on, it's going to be Duke's DJ Stewart. I think that Duke really had not it overshadowed – everything that was overshadowed there by Jalen Johnson's departure, and I think that does a lot of injustice towards guys like DJ Stewart. He was a top 25 recruit but really didn't get a ton of attention. He stands at 6'2", 163 with a reported 6'1", 6'2", wingspan, so physically really obviously doesn't stand out. But statistically, he, this is how it goes. He averages 13 points per game, four rebounds per game, two and a half assists per game, a steal a game, half a block per game, and two turnovers per game. And that was on 43% shooting, 34% from three, and 81% from the line. Personally, I don't think it's that impressive when you look at just the basketball reference page, but I also don't really think that tells the whole story. So I... Think he's one of those guys where the eye test tells a much better story than the stats and if you look at a lot of the shots he took the system that was going on and just every the whole context around that team i think he's one of those guys that'll stick out as a dang how did we not see him being a rotation player when it was quite obvious i think he's hiding in plain sight so he went to duke you know just gonna keep reading the scouting report the the tools were he loves shooting he's an outstanding shooter and has really good defensive upside, I think, despite that negative wingspan potentially and just really all-around mild frame that doesn't really pose much upside. He's probably a one-position defender being only able to guard point guards, but he has incredible defensive footwork. He's really quick. He can stay with anybody on the drive, and I think once he adds strength and overall weight, like he's got a good 20 to 30 pounds to gain on that frame, and I think when that happens, I don't think that's an if. I think that's a win you're going to see him be a really strong defender. And so I think even though, you know, the frame doesn't help him out, the skill does. On offense, he has really good vision. I think he's pretty patient. A lot of the turnovers that he had were against the zone from just some games that I remember against Syracuse. You know, he struggled at that. But, again, not going to see a ton of zone defense. The NBA is mostly man-to-man. Some teams, of course, employ it, but it's mostly a man-to-man league. He has a high motor he's willing to crash the glass hence the four rebounds per game I, I i've always found that to be an impressive skill for him he really just doesn't give up on plays and it kind of feeds into why he's just so good on defense he's a dog and then his shooting like i said that's probably his calling card even though he shot 34 percent from three this year it doesn't really tell the whole story because a lot of those shots were deep deep threes i mean he was taking them from near the logo of some of some courts like he can shoot from anywhere. He can shoot off the dribble. He can. He's best at spot-up shooting. I think he's outstanding on catch-and-shoot. And overall, I think that's something that translates super easily. However, he does have a low release on the jump shot. It can kind of be blocked, but I think he can shoot over defenses enough. He gets a high base, high jump, and it's really quick. So he's also a below-the-rim finisher. He doesn't really dunk much unless it's an open-court dunk, which not really worth noting, in my opinion, because it's just not that big of a deal. He really needs to add a lot of weight and strength and he has a mediocre frame that kind of makes him a tweener. He obviously has short arms. So kind of what do you do with him on defense? I think overall though, if you're wanting to have a two guard three guard lineup, he fits in to those lineups just so easily. You look at, you look at guys like George Hill. I think that's someone that could be a comparison, that defensive guy who that isn't really quite a lead guard, but isn't a secondary guard. So you put him in a mismatch almost against the defense and, you don't have to worry about him being too negative on defense. Some names that have come to mind as players that I could see as similar, um, you know, skill sets, potentially career arcs. However, I'm not going to necessarily apply the career arcs to most of these guys. It's only one of these guys is even on his second contract, but he reminds me a lot of Emmanuel quickly, Kobe white with, you know, Kobe white. I, I think this is a little bit unpopular and untold, but Kobe white actually has really quick feet on defense. He's a really physically sound defender. he just, Shoots himself in the foot far too much. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker as well. Those are three young players that he reminds me of. And then the veteran would be Raul Neto, who's a 38% shooter from three for his career and is a really strong defender. There's been a lot of plays throughout his career where you're like, dang, this guy just made a winning play after winning play on the defensive end. And that has value being almost a 3 and D guard that you can slip into any lineup. I think his projected draft range I really think he's someone that teams are going to fall in love with a lot more with the, than the draft community itself, like on social media. I think he goes mid-second round. I, I wrote down, and this is probably a conservative route. I put 35 to 60 as his draft range, but I, I really think it's 35 to 50. I don't, I don't see him going in the bottom 10. I'd be rather surprised. I think it's pretty easy to see his role in the league, but um, I, I just, I think teams are going to like it, and you know, Duke will always be able to get a benefit of the doubt just because they're Duke. So his worst case scenario, I think, is just being a bench player. Uh, you know, maybe out of the rotation a little bit, but still being on the roster. Just because that shooting and defense combo, I, I see both translating pretty well. It's gonna be hard to keep out of games. You know, you can always plug him in at some point. Whether it's a you need a spark one way or the other, something like that. There's always a place for you. His median outcome is being a quality backup point guard. I think you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a flashy thing, but. He's someone who could easily fill a role, play 15 to 30, uh, excuse me, 15 to 25 minutes a game. He's not playing 30 minutes a game, but you know, fringe starter minutes on some good nights. Um, I think this is almost his realistic outcomes, his high end outcome. And that's just being a high floor player, very limited ceiling, but really good shooter and defender who is not going to, you know, he has a high motor. He's not going to give up on plays. And I hate to say this unbelievably cliche line, but coaches want to coach him is that kind of guy. So, disregarding the the cliche, I hope that, you know, that convinces you to, you know, buy in a little bit more to DJ Stewart. I think his shooting, he can shoot from anywhere. His defense, he can guard any guard, I think, even though he's not strong right now. And that's in college, of course, he can guard any college guard, not being that strong. And just his high motor, those are three things that you really want to buy into. And he can also be a combo guard. So that's a bonus for me. So that's that's what I think of DJ Stewart. I would personally have him still in my second round range. I have him currently on my board at 42. Probably should move him up, and I probably will move him up. It's just who's gonna get knocked down. So those are the, those have been the scouting reports for Amar Siwa and Mario Nakic. And then also DJ Stewart. So hopefully you liked this. If you did, please give us five stars. You know, check out the other shows and hosts from for the show, excuse me. Uh, you know, Rafael and Cody and Sam host the other days of the week and they're great listens so and then one other plug to make is uh, check out the locked on today podcast they've they're covering a lot of the playoffs in the NBA it's been outstanding if you haven't listened to that so go ahead and give those a listen and thank you so much for listening to locked on NBA draft